Thank you for joining us today and connecting. Thank you for connecting online. Um, you know, we, we, as Dave was praying over the offering and uh, just saying that, you know, things go all over from here. And, and we don't always realize it. We don't always mention what goes on. But a couple of weeks back, uh, Rabbi Stewart came into town. He is the head, he and Chantal, his wife, are the head of uh, Reach Initiative International. And we sent them away with a, a, a blessing just to bless them for being here and sharing the word of God. But we also took up a special offering, which we, we rarely do, but God really directed us and said, you know, do this. Give, give everybody the opportunity to sow into the work that's going on that they're doing in the Ukraine. And uh, Rabbi Stewart shared with us that every dollar, every penny that comes in for that specific work goes directly to that work. And that's, that's highly unusual. When you give in many of the organizations, there's administration that it goes to and, and other things, but this is 100%. I want to let you know that uh, we were able to give them over $9,000. Which absolutely amazed Rabbi Stewart. He said, you know, I should know, but uh, I, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness and generosity of your people. And I said, you shouldn't be amazed. They're God's people. They're just like their father. <laughs> and he laughed, and we both agreed that it was very, very wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing to, to impact people on the other side of the earth. You may never see their face, you may never know their name, but God knows what you've done on behalf of him to help people that he so loves. Amen? God's a good God all the time. Um, today we're, we're going to continue on uh, in what we've been teaching and sharing, but I was, I was talking to somebody this week and just recently, and, and they, were, they were sharing with me how... They were actually driving, and they were using a hands-free thing, but uh, they were sharing with me how people were just getting crazy driving. And then, then he, he stopped and, and was just saying, you know, people, you just can't tell what they're going to do. And I began to, to realize that I think we're all experiencing that. We just don't know how somebody's going to react. But we should know that in the days that we're living in, that the reactions are what they are because of the darkness that's occurring in the earth. The Bible tells us that, that darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people. The Bible tells us that in the last days, great deception and selfishness and, and things that are uh, very ungodly are going to occur. And what this is, is this is the enemy trying to have his way but in a situation where the fruit of what he's trying to do is being expressed by the people that are allowing him to have his way in their lives. And we have one person that we should give the preeminence to all the time. The first place in order and in weight. That's what preeminence means. This, this person is the first person we turn to. And when this person gives guidance, we listen to that guidance more than we listen to anybody else's guidance, and that's God. And when we do that, then we should be bearing fruit that should be in stark contrast to the fruit that we're seeing in people that don't know Jesus, don't trust in Jesus. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're, we're learning about what we're learning about. We're learning about fruit bearing. And we've been looking into the teaching of Jesus in John chapter 15. You can see this gorgeous fruit. God wants you to be fruitful. God wants you to, to produce fruit, have fruit brought forth in your life. It's not going to be grapes, but it's going to be fruit that's going to show forth his love and his goodness and his kingdom and his character that's going to impact people and draw them to the kingdom of God. And just like this fruit, it, it, just looking at it, it makes me want to walk up and pick it and eat it. You know, I'd be hard-pressed to walk by something like this. And that's why I haven't gone by your house, Bob, because Bob has a grapevine and uh, I just don't want to clean them out, and I would probably have trouble not doing that. But, but this is where we're just drawn in by this. 
And Jesus indicated how important fruit was. In John chapter 15, verse 8 and verse 16, we've read this as the foundational scripture. Jesus said and was teaching his disciples, he said, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. So God expects fruit, right? Does he have a right to expect fruit? Absolutely. Does anybody immediately produce fruit? No. No, because we've got to mature. So there's a process that we move from no fruit because we're coming new into the kingdom, just like a new vine. You know, there's a lot that has to be done to it before it'll ever produce fruit. It doesn't produce uh, uh, an economical harvest for seven years. Man, seven years, that's a long time to wait. But if you do it right, the wait is worth it. Now, God can do things much quicker than that. We're talking seven years in the natural. But he goes on to say, you're my true disciples, and you bring great glory to my Father. That's, that's the heart cry of every Christian. It should be. If, if we, we have a heavenly Father that's done so much for us, don't we want to bring glory to his name? You know, so many times I, I watch... Different shows, whether they're athletic or they're, they're singing competitions or they're cooking competitions, many times I hear, more often than not, I hear whoever the participant is saying, I want to make my parents proud. If that happens naturally, shouldn't it happen for us as God's kids? Man, the greatest thing we can do is bring glory to our Heavenly Father. The greatest thing we can do is prove that we really are true followers of Jesus Christ, true disciples. We shouldn't have to say, hey, you know what? Hey, 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 see my cross? I'm a Christian. And then look at you like, exactly. You're wearing that, but I don't see the character. I don't see the fruit in your life. And, and that's where we, we need to be people that, do you remember back in kindergarten, maybe even first grade, there was a time where you would bring something into school and there was a time where you would show it to everybody, right? Show and tell. And that's the way it ought to be as a Christian. We're showing them before we ever have to tell them. There's already an interest. When, when you show up, they see you and they see you're different and they see that in you there are things that they would truly want to have. There's peace and there's joy. There's hope. There's victory. Not an absence of battles, but in the midst of the battle, just like we sang this morning, in the midst of that battle, you have the victory. Because God never fails. And he's not going to fail you now. And so when people see that in their lives, they're like, wow, you know, what's different about you? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Oh, I, I didn't know what it was, but I want what you have. I need what you have. Because that's what's supposed to be happening in our lives. We're supposed to be witnesses wherever we go. But what kind of witness are we? We should be showing them the Father. That's what Jesus came to do, to reveal the unseen God. And then in verse 16, he goes on to say, you didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you on in the world to what? Ooh, Jesus put us in the world to bear fruit. So he expects it. He's also going to participate with us because this isn't a, I do it myself and I prove to God how much I deserve his love and I deserve his blessings and I deserve his promotions and I deserve the benefit. No, it's not about what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we go to hell. Hello? Because none of us are without sin. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God so loved all of us, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would have everlasting life, would not perish but have everlasting life. It's about grace. It's about the grace of God that God freely and fully gives to us what we don't deserve and can't get on our own, and mercy. And if God has been merciful and gracious with us, we should be merciful and gracious with others. But that's part of the fruit of our lives. 
That's what God is able to develop. And, and he goes on to say, I put you into the world to bear fruit. Fruit that won't spoil as fruit bearers. Now, do you see that? As fruit bearers, when we become fruit bearers, there's something in our relationship with God that changes because he sees that we're not after all the stuff. The Bible says, seek first money. Oh, okay, okay. That, that, that was first flesh alonians. Seek first power and fame. Is that not what a lot of people are seeking right now? They're online hoping to get discovered, hoping to get thousands of followers and likes so that they can be famous. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's not about a castle. All right, if you go to Disney, there's the Magic Kingdom. You know where it is because there's a castle. His is not about a castle. It's about a way of living. Seek first the kingdom of God, the way God has for us to live, and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And right here it says when we become fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. Wow. How many of you want every one of your prayers answered? Well, I don't, I've, I've come to understand that I'm growing and learning, and there are a lot of prayers I'm so thankful God never answered. But when we get in line, when we get in tune with God, when we get in step with God, when we get in sync with God, when we allow God to lead, to guide, to govern us, then we can ask anything of the Father and he'll give it because it's in line with Jesus, the word of God, and the will of God. We don't have to beg him for anything. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But many times we've gone astray. We're going after something else other than the kingdom of God. We're seeking first this and that and the other thing. And the kingdom of God is, well, I'll get to it on Sunday. And what happens is we live our week out doing all sorts of things that are not what God would have us do. And, and, you know, God has a path and a plan for us, but when we get off track, we miss the will of God. That's one of the definitions of sin. And what does sin bring into our lives? Right. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we get off track, we begin to allow the enemy to work and sin to begin to infiltrate our life. And death begins to work in our life. And then we get confused. We're like, God, what are you doing? And God's saying, no, what are you doing? This is my path. This is my plan. These are my principles. These are my values. And you're living in a world that is so far off track from God and his word and his will. And it's so easy to be swept away in the current of our society instead of standing strong on the rock of God, on his word. And so that's where he wants us to bear fruit. He, he needs us to bear fruit so we'll impact other people's lives. This is all about God and others. We're taken care of. But we're here to live for the glory of God and to impact the lives of other people. Because somebody did that so that you came into the kingdom. And, and so today... We're going to continue to, to look at this about fruit bearing. We started last week looking at, at fruit bearing. I had a worksheet for you, a note sheet. Uh, if you don't have it, that's fine. There are some out in the foyer. You can get one on the way out. But uh, we, we were beginning to talk about these three stages of fruit bearing, of our fruit bearing. Every one of us is at a different place. Now, it's because it's progressive. It's always moving. And, and God has for us, we come into the kingdom, and uh, this is about a partnership with God. And the first stage is no fruit to fruit. None of us come in with fruit started. But 
Soon after we come into the kingdom, we should begin allowing God to guide us and to govern us, adapting ourselves and adopting the kingdom principles. We should come to that place where we go from no fruit to fruit. And this requires the first thing, God lifting us up. All right, God lifting us. In, in the King James translation, it says God cuts us off. He doesn't ever cut you off. All right, he lifts us. And, and when he lifts us, it's exactly what happens. When we're dead in our trespasses and sins, we're living in the, the sin of the world, in the filth of the world, in the ways of the world. And it's a low life living. Right? And just like a vine, when it's, it's beginning to grow, it just wants to grow along the ground. That's where it grows. Unless someone comes along and lifts that vine up and begins to train it to go along the trellis. And it's constant training because that vine wants to go back to the dirt. Just like at times we want to go back to our old way of living. And yet God lifts us up out of sin. He saves us. We become alive to God, and yet at times we live our old lives. Hello? Uh-oh. Getting on feet now, huh? Well, it's time to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you right now for, for your word, for your truth coming forth that will heal, that will deliver, that will illuminate, and as we apply it, transform us. Father, today we need your word. We need your truth. Because, Father, there are so many things out there that are drawing us aside and astray and deceiving us and robbing us and doing the work that the enemy wants. But, Father, we want your work and your will in our lives. And so we thank you for the good work that you've begun. We thank you for hearing ears and hearts that are good ground to receive your word, that it would bear great fruit for your glory and for the increase of your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so no fruit to fruit. It requires, because this is a partnership with God, it requires God doing something in this first level. And that is lifting us, lifting us up. None of us can save ourselves. Is that correct? It's like falling down a hole that's too deep for you to crawl out and you try to pull yourself up by the scruff of your neck to get out. That's an, that's an exercise in frustration and futility. The same is true about our lives as Christians if we're trying to get ourselves lifted. God's the lifter. The Bible says that in Psalms that he lifts us. He is our lifter. And that's what he does. He lifts us from being dead in our trespasses and sins to being alive in God as we repent of our sin, as we receive Jesus as Lord. And that's the beginning of this new lifted life, the abundant life. How many of you want an abundant life? How many of you have so much life you don't, couldn't stand anymore? All right, none of us. And so there's room for lifting to come into our lives, Right? And it's God that does it. He initiates this. He lifts us. And then just to go through this, uh, the second stage of fruit bearing is when we've got fruit going on, God's not saying, okay, that's good. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. He looks to bring more fruit into our lives because when more comes in, more can go out. And it's more blessed to give than receive. And so we're able to be more fruitful, be a greater blessing to God and to other people, and that causes greater blessing to come to us, and that requires God pruning us. Now, we're going to talk about this in, in upcoming weeks, but we're still back on lifting. And the third phase or, or uh, stage of fruit bearing is that we're bearing more fruit. There's more fruit than it's ever been, and God's not like, okay, good, good on you, just hang in there, keep doing what you're doing. No, God is going to take us from what? Glory to glory. It's one level of glory to another. And he does that with our fruit. He takes us from no fruit to fruit, fruit to more fruit, and more fruit to much fruit. And that word much means the maximum. God wants to max your life out. That's why Jesus came to give you not just life. 
He came to give you abundant life, overflowing life. He wants overflowing fruit. And, and that's going to take us. You see, this partnership. God does the first two things. We partner with him, but he's the initiator, the instigator, and the one that, that kind of points at what needs to be done. The last one, we, it requires us abiding. We have to choose. And we'll talk about this in upcoming weeks. But we're back on number one, where that phase is no fruit to fruit, and it requires God's lifting. And uh, <clears throat> in, we'll just look at it in verse uh, 15, 2 through 2 and 5. Do we have that verse? There it is. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts, not takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And that is so true. Without God, we'll never do anything of any eternal value. It's just like what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Whatever we do without love, and God is love. Anything we do without love or without God amounts to nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. We can do a lot of things. We do a lot of things through the week, and we aren't trusting him for it. But we should be. We should be involving God in every aspect of our lives. Are you telling me I've got to check in with God about everything? No, you've got to just live life with your best friend. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be your best friend. One that sticks closer than anybody else. And he's made that possible because he's come to live in you. When you and I believe in Jesus and receive him as our Lord, he comes to make his home in us so that wherever we are, whatever we experience, we're, we're not going to have a dead zone. Like with your cell phones, the way it used to be. It used to be you'd drive all over around here and there were dead zones. You'd be talking and it'd drop out. It just quit. God never drops out. He never quits on you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He's always there to assist you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to cause you to overcome through it, to come through it in victory. And he's the one that can do it. But how does he do this? How, how does he lift us? Well, we found out in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. We looked at a lot in Hebrews 12, but in verse 5, uh, it's, it says this. The Apostle Paul writes, Have you forgotten the exhortation or the encouragement which speaks to you as sons? My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. Now, there are two things that it says God's going to do. And, and last week, we, we kind of all agreed that we view these two things very negatively. And yet what the Bible is telling us is anything but negative. It's what we need. When it says that he chastens us and he rebukes us, how many of you get up in the morning and say, I hope I get chastened by God and rebuked by God? Right, we're laughing because in our definition, in our perspective of chastening and being rebuked, none of that is good. But in what the Bible is telling us, we all, it's not only good, we all need it. It's necessary for us to be able to walk in victory and produce fruit in this world and have an impact that's positive and eternal. Because the word chasten, we found out last week the word chasten means to, to educate, to instruct, to tutor, to mentor, to nurture. Now, anybody here need any instruction at any time in your life? How about when you face something new and different? Man, we need instruction. We need education. We need tutoring and mentoring and nurturing because we're probably not going to get it right the first time. And we're going to have to relearn it and relearn it. I don't know how many times I've relearned some things. I just want it to stick. But, but it's just part of what we're like as human beings. We, we leak. We leak knowledge. We leak experience. We, we don't retain everything all the time. But this is talking about us being residents in a new kingdom. The kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of life. And this new kingdom is totally different than everything we've learned in this world. And that's why we need chastening. We need instruction. We need education. We need tutoring and mentoring and nurturing. And we need training and discipline. And, and that's informing us and instructing us and giving us what we need about how things are different in this kingdom than the world we live in, the world we grew up in, our reference points. All our reference points before we come to Christ are worldly. And how many of you know God doesn't do it the way the world does it? And how many of you know the world doesn't do it the way God wants it done? And so we've got to be chastened. We've got to be instructed. We've got to be educated. We've got to be tutored and mentored and nurtured and trained and disciplined. And when we hear about discipline, we all think, oh, man, I don't want to get smacked. I don't want to get spanked. But the word discipline means to bring to a point of order and obedience. How many of you know that in the kingdom of God, the best place to be is in the place of God's order and obedient to God? Amen. The Bible says the willing and obedient. Do you know what the payoff of being willing and obedient to God is? God's promise. We'll eat the best of the land. But we're not going to come anywhere near the best if we don't obey and order our lives according to God. This is good news. And so that's the, the chastening of the Lord. And if we don't adjust to the chastening, the education, instruction, tutoring, mentoring, nurturing, training, and discipline of God, then he rebukes us. But listen, here's what rebuking is. Rebuking is convicting. To point out a fault or a flaw that needs to be corrected. Now, none of this is to damage anybody. It's to develop every one of us. None of this is just to find problems. It's to produce progress. And it's not just about being critical, but it is about consequences. Because when we do not heed the instruction, the education, the training... The nurturing in this new kingdom, we get off track. And remember, part of the, the definition of sin is to miss the mark of God. When we get off track and we start into the area of sin and sin begins to pay off, and sin's payoff is what? Death. Death. But pastor, you don't understand, we're forgiven. Yes, we're forgiven. But still, st sin still has a consequence. And God cares about the consequences in your life. God doesn't want death working in your life. Even if Jesus is Lord of your life, death can work in our lives because we're choosing sin. Awfully quiet this morning. But I'm telling you what this is doing is exposing the enemy. And he needs to be exposed for who he is. The enemy has come to do what? Yes, steal, kill, and destroy. How many of us want that? Not a one of us, but at times we choose what the enemy is presenting to us because we're pulled and sucked in by the temptation of sin. Sin has a pull. It has a pull, just like that vine. Can we get that picture, John? When that, that vine grows a new branch... It starts out, and it's going to naturally get pulled by gravity back towards the dirt. Just like we as a new believer gets pulled back towards the sin that we were once in. How many of you know when we come to Christ, we're a new creation in Christ? And, and it says old things have passed away. But where are we new? We're a threefold being. Anybody remember what parts we are? Spirit soul and body we are a spirit that's eternal we have a soul our mind will and emotions and we live in a body when we get saved what 
is made new. Our spirit, we who are spirit are made new. We're sealed. We're indwelt and then we're sealed by Holy Spirit. But how many of you know that it doesn't change your body? Man, I wish it would. I get saved every day. But you look in the mirror and you look just like you looked before you gave your life to Christ. And how many of you know that your thinking and your desires and, and, and uh, preferences and things like that don't change necessarily either? Yeah, it's, it's a progressive work. And one day, one day as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to have a glorified body. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to find out that none of us are going to have hair. <laughs> Maybe not. Heresy, heresy. <laughs> I, used to, I used to be concerned about God's, after, after we, we go to be with him for eternity and he's given us all our glorified bodies and I get up to him and he's going to say, oh yeah, you. You didn't do so well with your other body. I'm not sure I can trust you with this new glorified body. <laughs> No, he's going to give us all new glorified bodies. But our bodies and our souls continue to struggle with the pull of sin in this world. The lower life. And God's lifting us. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That old man wants to go back to some of the same things that we're going on before Jesus became Lord of our life and freed us from the power of sin. And yet sin pulls and tugs at us. Just like gravity tugs at that new branch that starts to grow out. And along comes the, the vine dresser and takes that branch and wraps it around again. Repositions it, disciplines, trains it to grow across instead of down. God is trying to discipline us to grow across in this lifted life instead of growing down, back down to the low life. Man, we don't want to be low lives. But we find ourselves in that low living because we get pulled back by sin. And we don't receive the training of God, the instruction. And when we don't do that, he's going to point it out. He's going to bring conviction to your life and my life. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. All right? When we're condemned, and I'll tell you who condemns you, the enemy. He's the behind condemnation. Because the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? And yet we feel condemned at times. That we've found out something's wrong, something's lacking. We're not doing something right. And, and condemnation in that makes us think, and it'll never change. It's never possible to change. With God, what's possible? All things. He doesn't give up on anybody. And so when the enemy condemns us, he says, this is what you're doing. You're doing it wrong. And he may point out something that we're doing wrong or the sin that we're in. And then he's going to put the topping on it. He's going to say, and you'll never change. Yeah, you know in times past you, you've tried to beat it and you've been free of it for a while, but you always go back to it. And you get to the place of being hopeless. And we're never hopeless with God. God is the God of hope and he fills us with joy and peace and believing that we would abound to even more hope by the Holy Spirit. And hope is a confident expectation of good. We should never be without a confident expectation of good. And so that condemnation comes from the enemy. But conviction starts out the same way as condemnation. There's a pointing out of something that's wrong, something that's not right, something that's not being done the way it should be done. But the difference is with that conviction, Holy Spirit convicts us, God convicts us, he causes us to realize this is wrong, it's not occurring the way it should, and I'm here to help you. This isn't us doing this alone. This isn't a self-help religion because we can't help ourselves. That's why we've got to realize in our weakness, his strength is made full. We need to realize, man, I, I, I'm, I'm prone to that. I have a proclivity towards that. 
I have a pull towards that. In my life, alcohol, pornography, anger, man, they all had me under their control. I was driven by this stuff. This was my life. And it robbed me of life until I turned to Christ for help. And he freed me, and he's the only one that is able to keep me free, because I can't keep me free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And that's why when I feel that pull, I turn to him and say, God, I need your help. Because the Bible says, he who thinks he stands, take heed, be on guard, lest you fall. Because the moment we think, I don't, I don't have any problem with that, that's pride. Because the enemy can come at us anytime in any area and trip us up. And he's a master at it. And we have to rely on God. The Bible says in James, if we'll submit ourselves to God, only then can we resist the enemy and he'll flee. The only way you and I are going to stay free of sin, free of addictions, habits, hang-ups, hurts, just like what journey helps you go and, and learn and do is by turning to and trusting in God. Not relying on ourselves, but relying on God, trusting in God. And, and when we trust in him to give us the instruction and education and the nurturing and the training and the discipline, man, we'll stay on the right track. But the moment we get off track, then he has to rebuke us. He has to convict us. He has to say, hey. And it's, it's, it is an in-your-face kind of thing. You know, if we're going along and we're following God, man, he's just going to keep encouraging. But there is an encouragement that is pointed that God will bring to your life unless you want to tune him out. And that voice of God will get quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter because he's not going to shout. He wants us to be attentive. He's not going to push his will on us, but he's going to point things out in our lives. And it doesn't just happen for a season. It happens across the whole span of our life in this earth because we need, there are times we migrate off what God's principles and plans are. And we need to be shown, hey, you're off track. You're off track. You're off track. Because if not, the consequences of, of us getting off track with God is death. You know, how many people have been on mountain roads and for some reason either lost their focus or lost traction and they skidded into the guardrail and then cursed the guardrail? <laughs> Stupid guardrail. What's it doing here? Man, they're like... I'm so glad this guardrail was here. We should be so thankful that God rebukes us. Because if not, we're going over the cliff. We're headed towards death operating in our lives and robbing and destroying what Jesus died to give us. And so he, he chastens us, but... But we've got to understand, this is, this is something that we have to be aware of. And it's because in Numbers 32, verse 23, it's not going to be up on the screens, but it tells us, be sure your sin will find you out. What it's saying is, you can't dodge sin. You get into sin, it's going to bite you. You know what I mean. We all know what I mean, because we've all been bitten. But there's a scripture in Jeremiah 2. I don't know if we have that. Do we have that, John? Yes. Thank you. Jeremiah 2, it says, your own wickedness will correct you. Sin pays off in death. There's a hurt that comes when we get off track, detour from God. And it's not God doing it, it's us doing it to ourselves because we've been tempted and went with the temptation. Your own wickedness will correct you and your backsliding will rebu rebuke you. Knowing therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken 
the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that wisdom that comes from above brings with it fruit. It's another way fruit comes into our lives. But how, how, how do we battle this? How do we take care of this? Well, in Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at this and probably not get through it all, but we're going to try. So you better listen fast. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, why does it talk about grace here? What's grace done in our life? Right, we're saved by grace. It's a gift that God gives us that we don't deserve, can't earn, and can't get it any other way. We're saved by grace. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, that's a good question. If we're dead to sin, how could we live in it? Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's absolutely a choice. When you and I come to Christ, whom the Son has set free is free indeed, you have more freedom than you have ever experienced in the totality of your life up to that point. You have freedom to choose. Before, sin was your taskmaster. It made you. Because you were under sin. You were born into the world under sin. Because of the sin of Adam. All right? And so we, we naturally go back to sin because we have no real freedom to choose anything else. We do it for a while, but not continuously. And this says we've been freed. By grace we've been saved. We've been freed from the power of sin. And yet, every time we sin, it's because we choose to. And many times we choose to because we're deceived. Because the enemy deceives us into thinking we need something outside of the will and the way of God. And if we can get this, man, my life is going to be great. If I could just get that house, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just get that money, if I could just get that relationship. Well, get God. And all those other things will be added to you. Because the moment we start seeking after these things, they immediately work sin in our lives because they become idols. Something that is more important to us than God who should be the most important to us. And yet we kind of take a moment to put God aside and we put this up there. And all of a sudden it leads us away. Just like Israel kept being led away. When they, when they turned away from God, they were led right into sin. And we're no different than they are. And the enemy is very, very effective at what he does. And then in verse 4 and verse 6, it says this. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We should walk in this newness of life, but because it's a new life, it's new. Isn't that a great revelation? It's deep stuff, man. But that new, when it's new, we don't know about it. And that's why we have to be instructed by God. We have to be tutored by God. We have to be mentored by God. We have to be nurtured by God. We have to be trained by God and disciplined by God. And if we don't take that, then he's going to rebuke us. He's going to convict us, point out what needs to change, and in our face kind of point us out. But this says we should walk in newness of life. Now, it mentioned baptism, and I'm going to tell you next month we're going to have a baptism out at Lake Delta. If you've never been baptized since you believed, it's one of the things that the Bible tells us we should do. We should be baptized. And I will tell you, we're going to have a, uh, I haven't talked to this person yet, but I think we're going to have a testimony, a quick testimony about what happens in baptism. And it's by the guy that's up there on the, the, uh, the screens. Uh, John had, and he's not isolated in this, John had an amazing experience in baptism because baptism can be an amazing moment in time. It's not about getting wet. It's about getting free. And being obedient to God. So yeah, look for the sign-ups that are coming. But we walk in this newness of life. This, 
this lifted life, this elevated life, this abundant life. This is what we want to walk in, but we've got to choose. Choose this day who you're going to serve, and you can't serve two masters. The Bible tells us in the Gospels, we can't serve two masters. We'll love one and hate the other. We'll cling to one and abandon the other. And that's what happens every time we make a choice. We're either choosing God or something else, and whatever other than God we choose is going to lead us into sin and ultimately work death in us, which means we can't bring life to others. Then in verse 6 it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. No longer slaves to sin. But one thing about slavery is, in everything that I've, I've read, I've learned, and I don't know a whole lot, it's very hard. You may get freed, set free, but there's a mentality that has to be changed. And the only one that can help us with that is God. He set us free from the power of sin. Now we have to have God's help in realigning our thinking so that we realign our action because all of our action comes out of thoughts. We think it before we do it. We also think it before we say it. And that's why we have to, have to make an adjustment there. It's, it's so important. It's so necessary. Raised to walk in newness of life, this elevated life. And every step we take is a choice, whether we're going to walk on the elevated life, the high life of God, or we're going to start to descend back into the low life of sin. Every choice, we're either headed up or down. And that's why it's important we don't just make choices without thinking, without consulting God. And maybe you don't have to consult God. Just reference what does the word say? What, what does his kingdom say? What do the principles of the kingdom say? And by that, we'll know, are we, are we headed up or are we headed down? Then in verse 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. You know what a lust is? It's a strong or a passionate desire. It's a longing. We have longings for all sorts of things. Not everything we long for is going to be beneficial. Some of the things we long for will kill us. They'll kill our relationships. Because they're not of God. It goes on to say, and do not permit your members, present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And grace not only saves us, but it empowers us. It imparts to us what we need that is not in us or of us. It's of God to be what God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do. See, this is, this is where it's, we've got to rely on God to lift us. But then as he lifts us, we need to stay put where he's brought us. Not digress. Just like that vine, we don't go back to the dirt. We allow the vine dresser to keep training us. We keep training and we keep becoming disciplined in this. Our lives become more ordered according to the kingdom. We become more obedient to God. And, you know, in our natural thinking, we would think, you know, if, if my life is more ordered, I'm going to lose all the fun I'm having. You know, I used to think that. This, this will show you how deceived I was. I used to think, you know, I know God doesn't want me getting drunk. I don't want to have to give up drinking. I'm having such a good time. 
But when I really sat down and looked at it, man, it was costing me all sorts of money. I felt terrible. I couldn't remember what I did. I was embarrassed. It was, it was robbing every area of my life. And I thought, I don't want to have to give this up. How deceived is that? And yet it wasn't doing me any good. But I, I, God told me, I need to rely on him. If I rely on me, I'll go back to it. But I need to rely on him to stay free. Because as far as strength goes, I've got some strength, but it's very little compared to God's strength that is immeasurable, unending, and unequaled. And he can keep you any and everywhere he has for you. You're under grace. But, but what do we know about grace? We're, where does grace migrate to? Where, where, does, where is more grace going towards? Anybody remember? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Again, we've learned about this, and we need to retain that, that we need to walk in humility. That humility says, God, you can, and without you, I can't, so I want to do it with you. Show me, guide me, govern me. It goes on to say, in verse 16 and verse 18, don't you realize that you became the slave of sin? Whatever you choose to obey, don't you realize that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave of, to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Who's in control? We are. Well, God, just take control. Jesus, take the wheel. He's not going to take the wheel from you. He gave the wheel to you. When he freed you, he gave you your life back that you would voluntarily, lovingly, committedly give your life back to God that you would follow him. You would choose to follow him. You would choose. Didn't Jesus say, if you want to be my disciple, what did he say would have to happen? You have to, number one, deny yourself. Number two, pick up your cross. Number three, follow me. You can't pick up your cross until you've denied yourself. That's what happened with Jesus in the garden. When Jesus was in the garden praying before he went to the cross, he was, he was struggling with denying himself. Father, I don't want to go to the cross, but not my will, your will be done. That's what we go through too. That's why we have to deny ourselves. We have to choose not to give in to sin but choose to give in to righteousness to the kingdom of God. Because we know, we know, we know, we know, we don't want what sin's bringing. But the problem is that sin always looks good on the front end. The other problem is that sin has pleasure. Sin is enjoyable for a season. What the Bible tells us. But the payoff for sin is more than we would ever dream, and it keeps us bound longer than we would ever want to be bound. It robs us. And in robbing us, it robs all those around us our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co workers, the people God has for us to impact. And so that's why we can't afford, we can't afford to let sin into our lives, but it's trying all the time, all the time. Verse, verse 18, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. You're free, you're free. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to it. 
It's going to pull on you. Don't go back to it. But the only way you don't go back to it and I don't go back to it is just what James says, submit yourself to God. You can't follow two things. If I say go to those, those exits right now, I'm telling you to go to those exits. You're going to choose one over the other. And you can't follow sin and follow God. We're going to either follow sin, and, and when I say that, I'm saying areas of our life will we'll follow sin because we don't see necessarily that it's doing that much damage, and then we'll follow God in other areas. Because there are some pet sins we have. It may be gut gluttony. It may be gossip. It could be a variety of things. And we're like, oh, it's not that bad. It, it, I'm not murdering anybody. But, but God said, don't do it. God said, walk in love. Believe the best. Don't count a suffered wrong. Don't demand your own way. And the moment we digress from that, we get off track from that, we're moving into sin. But it's not that big a deal. Nobody knows. Nobody knows I talked about Dave Parker. <laughs> God does. And the enemy does. And the enemy's going to use that in a way to destroy. God wants us to be living this lifted life, this abundant life, instead of going back to low life living. Returning to the dirt of the earth where we won't bear fruit. It's only the lifted life. Allowing God to lift us and staying on track with God and continuing to let, us, let him lift us higher. And finally, in Romans chapter 6, verse 22, it says this, but now, now having been set free from sin, thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for setting me free. Father, help me stay free. He set you free. I don't know what it is in your life that wants to control you and drag you back into that low-life living. But God sets you free. Whatever is telling you you can't, it's a lie from the enemy. He set you free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But you've got to choose. Choose this day, like Joshua said. Choose this day who you'll serve. Choose whether you're going to serve the kingdom of God and righteousness and truth. And it's going to be an adjustment because we've not chosen that all our lives. But the payoff is great. Now, having been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. You know, as much as we were forced to do sin, we should have that same, not motivation, but same enthusiasm that we, we I want to serve God. Man, I, nothing's going to stop me from serving God. I'm committed to serving God. I'm committed to serving his kingdom and his way. I want all of God. I want all that he has. I want to do everything his way because his way is the way of life. Now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. Holiness. The Bible tells us we're supposed to be holy as he is. And that's an impossibility by our effort and our ability. But the Bible also tells us pursue peace and holiness. Because without holiness and peace, no one we'll see God. That's what that fruit in our lives begins to grow. The people begin to see God, begin to see Christ in us. And we're believing, I'm believing, I believe the body of Christ is believing that the glory of God is going to be revealed in the earth in a greater way than ever before. 
And that's what the Bible says. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just like the waters cover the sea. But how does that happen? This glory cloud rolls out of heaven? No, it doesn't happen that way. The glory comes through you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That you become more and I become more and more like Christ. That fruit begins to appear and they see Jesus in you. They see his love. They see his kindness. They see his patience. They see his generosity. They see his peace. They see him living in you like he actually is. And now he's living his way out through you to impact the lives around you. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. Fruit bearing isn't an option. It's an expectation that God has a right to expect. And no matter where you are in the stages of fruit bearing, whether, whether you're new to the kingdom or maybe you haven't known much about this and never really applied yourself to it and you don't have much fruit, God wants to bring more fruit into your life. And maybe you have quite a bit of fruit, and that's awesome. But God wants to maximize the fruit in your life. For it to be of optimum production. So that there's not a missed opportunity. You're in the grocery store, and fruit's just flowing out of you. And you're impacting the people in, in the chip aisle. And, and then you go over to the frozen food section and you're impacting people in the frozen food section. And you, you, yeah, I see smirks on people's faces, but I'm telling you, that's what God wants. When the glory of God fills the earth, that's what God wants. That there's not a place people can go that they will not be impacted by God because that is the heritage of this city. When Finney was here, it was said there wasn't a place that anyone could go that they didn't hear prayer and they didn't see God working. I'm not satisfied with that being history here. I want it to be present. I want this to be our heritage. And I know a lot of Christians that are believing the same way, but it's going to take more than us just believing we're going to have to start doing what God's word says. We are going to have to be allowing God to chasten us. And when we get off track, rebuke us and be realizing this is a God of love who wants the best for us. He's not trying to talk us out of something or rob us from anything. He's trying to enhance and enrich and abound life in us. But it doesn't happen because you go to church. It doesn't just happen because you read your Bible. It happens because we make Jesus Lord. When we say that, when we say Jesus is Lord, we're literally saying, Jesus, you're my master. I am your servant. I am your slave. I am here to serve your every will because God's will is good all the time. If you're here and you've never turned to Christ and trust in him, understand this isn't about religion. It's about relationship. It's about a new relationship with Almighty God and how he wants to work and partner with you in every aspect, area, and endeavor in your life. If you've never done that, I want to lead you in a prayer today, whether you're here in person or you're online, to turn to Christ, to repent, turn around from running your own life. Turn and entrust Christ with your life receive his forgiveness, and then allow him to be Lord of your life, your master. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning. If we'd all pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and was raised glorious and victorious, now seated at the right hand of the Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. 
be Lord of my life from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, let somebody know before you leave. We're going to celebrate that. You're probably, somebody's going to pray for you and just bless you before you go out of here. If you prayed online, let us know. Uh, we want to be able to pray for you. Go to our website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. If you want us to contact you, give us contact information. God is so good. And he is doing gooder things than ever before. And you know what? You're on your way to the best. The best is yet to come, but it's already started. All right? It's, it's happening, and God's taking us from glory to glory. Would you stand? Please be praying for VBS. As you heard this morning, the Parker family, initiated by VBS. I'll tell you one other story real quickly before I let you go. You know, the kids came to VBS, and they were telling their parents about coming, and, and uh, you know, Dawn started coming, and Dave was kind of a holdout, and Dave had a dream. And in that dream Dave had, when he finally came, he walked through the doors. It wasn't this building. And he saw me. And he came up to me afterwards. He said, you were in my dream. I said, sir, that wasn't a dream. That's a nightmare. <laughs> but he has been coming. And we are so grateful for Don and Dave and the Parker family. Just like. We are so thankful for every family, every person that's here, because that's God's doing, and God wants to do more of it. God wants to fill every seat in every place that his word goes forth, and he does it through VBSs. He does it through one-on-one -on -one relationships, and we all have the privilege of being part of that. Amen? God is so good. Whew. I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for every one of your children here, those online. Father, thank you for your presence, your presence and your plan that's for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. Father, we thank you that we can trust you because everything you do is perfect. Everything you do is right. Everything you do is the best. And so, Father, help us to come to that place where not only do we allow you to lift us up out of those difficult times that we don't think we can get out of them, but, Father, we allow you to lift us at all times. And we continue to grow and, and understand and retain your truth that sets us free. Father, we thank you for going before your people this week and preparing the way. Thank you for being our rear guard, that nothing can overtake us except your blessings of your kingdom and your life upholding us with your right hand of righteousness, your hand of blessing, and covering us with your songs of the lifted life, of your love, of your goodness, of your peace, of your joy, of your generosity and kindness. Father, thank you for coming and living in us by your Spirit. That, Father, we are surrounded and we are filled with you. And that you will fulfill your will in us and through us, impacting those that you love around us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week.